Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Turn to Acts, the 10th chapter, please. As you do, we shall pray. Our Father, it's with great reverence and humility that we approach your word, knowing, dear Father God, that you are holy. Your word is holy. Everything about your throne is holy. And we are your holy people. And so, our Father, I thank you for receptive hearts, open minds, and attentive ears. That as your word goes forth, it will produce life, light, and love. And your people will be doers of the word and not hearers only. And you receive all the honor, the praise, and the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. On, e on our Wednesday evening services, we've set aside the, the subject of divine healing for study. The subject of divine healing. Now, we taught in our first five lessons, I do believe, somewhere around there, uh, on faith and power by taking a close look at the ministry, the healing ministry of our Lord Jesus. And here in Acts the 10th chapter and verse 38, we'll read the scripture. It says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, Acts 10:38, with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we said that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if we're going to understand God's way of healing, all we have to do is to look at the Jesus of yesterday. Because he's the same today, and he'll be the same forever. And here in this scripture, it says that God, through Jesus, by anointing him with the Holy Ghost and with power, healed all that were oppressed of the devil. Again, the two words that we brought out in our study were faith and power. Faith and power. You know, when you get around full gospel circles and full gospel people, seems like there's a great emphasis on the word power. Oh, Lord, just send the power. Lord, if you just send the power. If you just send the power, Lord, everything will be all right. Well, unknowingly and unawaringly, they have produced one of the highest types of faith, of unbelief, rather. One of the highest types of unbelief. Because they didn't know that God has already given them the powerhouse. The power is already in you. He's in me. And to say God sent the power would be saying that he never did. But according to Acts 1.8, the Bible says you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come on you. And according to Ephesians 1 and 19, 
the Bible says, and know what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, so on and so forth. Isn't that right? And so actually, if we're born again, spirit-filled, full gospel people, the power is here. Isn't that right? So we have the power. And I think it's time that we start to emphasize the word faith. I think uh, we made it pretty clear that in Luke 5:17 we saw that the power was present to heal them, but we said them didn't get healed, but he with faith did. Isn't that right? <laughs> and everywhere we saw that power was used to heal, we also found out somewhere along the line somebody had faith. Isn't that right? Somebody had faith. Well, as we sit in the presence of our Heavenly Father this evening, we have within us the powerhouse. We have within us the Holy Ghost and power. Individually and collectively as a group, the power is here. So we don't have to pray, Lord, send the power. But we need to say, Father, we thank Thee that the powerhouse is here. In us and amongst us. Amen. Amen. Well, now also according to the same scripture. You see, I like to teach according to the word. And if we are going to righteously divine the word of truth, then we're going to have to just take the word for what it says and not to try to put inside the word our own interpretations. If it says here in Acts 10.38 that God healed all that were sick by Jesus through the power by the Holy Spirit and all those that were sick were oppressed of the devil, then I would have to say that when Jesus was here upon the earth, evidently everywhere he went, the power was. So everywhere Jesus went when he was here on the earth, there was power. I mean, you imagine if he went over to uh, Capernaum, well, the power is there because Jesus was there and he, Jesus was filled with the power. Isn't that right? Anointed with that power. If he went over to Jerusalem, of course, the power was there. It was present because Jesus was present. Isn't that nice to, to realize that everywhere Jesus went is power? I mean, glorious, dunamis, miracle-working power. Well, Jesus lives in you. And everywhere Jesus went, so did the power. I said Jesus lives in you. He's not in Capernaum. He's not in Jerusalem, but he's in you. Isn't that right? He's in you. Well, do you think he's any less powerful than he was when he was here on the earth? No. A thousand times no. No, he's not any less powerful. He is the same Jesus yesterday, today, and forever. And he's not up in Vanport, nor is he down in East Liverpool. But he's here in us. The only way he'd go down in East Liverpool is if somebody drove down there. Then he'd go with you. Or the only way he may go up in Vanport somewhere is if somebody up there was born again. Isn't that right? Amen. You understand what I'm saying. So all healing came from the power of God through the person of Jesus, and Jesus is in you. Glory be to God. Jesus is in you. So the major problem then is not in the power, but the major problem then is in the faith of the people not realizing that the powerhouse is within and the powerhouse is amongst us, and all we've got to do is to tap into that power by faith and be healed. Amen. Amen.
Well, sometimes I think when you preach that way, our brother just talked about being in condemnation. See, that type of preaching is not supposed to bring condemnation. See, there's a, there's a fine line. Well, there's a difference between condemnation and really being in disobedience. I mean, the devil will try to put condemnation on you, you know, and uh, hold you in bondage because if he can keep you in condemnation, of course, he'll make your faith ineffective. But I always found this out to be true. When I'm walking in the Spirit, there's no condemnation. If the preacher says, now, brother, sister, the Bible says to do this. And you say, well, he's just preaching condemnation. I'm not going to do that. Well, no, I'm not preaching condemnation. If the Bible says to do that and you're not doing it and you feel a little bit condemned, it's because you're not doing it. The Bible says, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Amen. Whenever any preacher ever stepped on my toes, you know, it had to be because I wasn't walking in line with the word of God if he was preaching the truth. Now, I know there are those that just preach condemnation just to beat you over the head. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the genuine... Word of God that tells us that if we are walking in the Spirit, we will not be condemned. And so if I sense condemnation in my life, the first thing I do is find out where I'm not walking in the Word. Because the Bible says, give no place to the devil. And if the devil's condemning me, why is he condemning me? Why is he putting condemnation on me? Why do I sense that? I must have given him place. And I go to the Word, and I find out, and I say, Bless God, in Jesus' mighty name, Father, I ask you to forgive me, and glory be to God, condemnation's got to go. Do you see what I mean? We've got to walk in the Spirit to be free from condemnation and walk in line with the Word. So as long as we walk in line with the Word, and I'll show you how we can stay free from this condemnation according to God's Word. If you'll turn with me to Hebrews 11, chapter... 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. You see, there's the faith side and there is the power side. The power side is God's side. No one has the power to heal anybody in this place. The power is not of man, but the power is of God. Now, the powerhouse is within us, and because the powerhouse is within us, we can lay our hands upon the sick and they shall recover. But it's the responsibility. Now, listen. It's the responsibility of every Christian to diligently study the Word of God concerning the healing of their bodies. It is your responsibility, it is my responsibility to study what the Word of God has to say concerning the subject of divine healing, and then by my actions, by my corresponding actions, or by my works, whichever way you want to say it, I like to say corresponding actions because sometimes people confuse the word works. They get it under the bondage type of works, and when I'm talking about that, I'm talking about if you believe that there's word or that there's power in the word to heal, if you believe that the word is medicine to all your flesh and the medicine stays out on your night table or on your dresser and you don't read the word to find out how you can apply the medicine, well, then we've got faith, but we don't have any actions, any corresponding actions. You see what I'm saying? So it's our responsibility to get into the Word of God and find out how or study this subject so that we can learn how to receive healing from the Word. Now, if we don't do that and sickness and disease tries to attach itself to your body, you know what first thing happens to you? You get into condemnation. You know why? I haven't been in the Word like I should. Isn't that right? 
So what's the first thing that you do? Get back out your Bible, you begin to read, and you begin to study, and you get back into the Word, and finally you drive that thing out of your body and say, praise God. There's no condemnation. Aren't you glad God's on your side and mine? <laughs> but what He wants us to do is learn how to stay in the Word and keep free from that stuff. Amen? Amen. Now, uh, if, you've, if you've been away from school for a while, get ready to get back into school. Because we're going to start giving you some teaching here. Every Christian endeavor has a purpose. Every Christian endeavor has a reason. And every Christian endeavor has a goal. If you are going to study any subject in the Bible, some people will say, well, you know, I, I like to study the Bible, but I just don't know how to go about it. I just don't know what method or, or what formula. What should I do so that I can really learn how to uh, fulfill Joshua 1.8 that says I've got to get into the Word and meditate in there day and night. What am I supposed to study? What am I supposed to do? Just read a chapter here? Sometimes I think the way man changed that Bible in the chapter and verse is so bad because someone would say, well, bless God, I read a whole chapter today. Put the Bible down and say, well, I've done my you know, duty for today. Or I've read five chapters. That's supposed to mean something. No, I don't care if you read a hundred chapters. It doesn't mean anything if you didn't get anything out of it. See, that's works. See, that's works. Now, if you want to learn how to study the Bible right, what I just said is very important. Every Christian endeavor has a purpose, has a reason, has a goal. A purpose, a reason, and a goal. Now, I gave you our purpose, reason, and goal for my teaching this subject when I first started. But I'm not talking about my purpose for teaching. I'm talking about your purpose, reason, and goal for studying the Word of God. Here in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, in verse 6, we'll find out what our purpose is. And what your purpose should be. Now it says, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Our purpose for studying any subject in the Bible, no matter what that subject might be, our purpose is so that we can produce faith to please our Father. Someone say, well, I'm studying healing so I can get my daughter healed or my child healed or something. Well, that's good, but listen to me. That's not the main purpose. I'll give you an example as to why it's not. If your main purpose in studying the gospel of healing is just to get that individual that got sick healed, then the only time you'll study and get into the Word of God concerning healing is when that individual or yourself gets sick. Because one, you don't need it because you're nice and healthy, you won't study it. See, a lot of Christians are, they go back and forth, back and forth, and they, they wonder why. You know, after a certain period of time, I get attacked with sickness or a disease, and the first thing that happens, they go through this whole routine again, back into the Word, studying the Word, looking up healing scriptures, quoting healing scriptures, meditating on healing scriptures, speaking healing scriptures, and they finally get their healing. Well, you see, their purpose is wrong. Our purpose should be the reason why that I want to study the subject of divine healing, or the purpose rather, the purpose, my purpose, is to produce faith and please my Father. Now, that comes through the Word. You know that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. But our purpose for studying this in our own individual life should be so that we can produce faith in our lives because that pleases our Father. So our purpose is to please the Father by faith. Don't you remember Jesus said, I came, not of my own will, but the will of him that sent me, and all that I do is pleasing to the Father. I always do that which, is ple that which pleases him that sent me. So that was his purpose. 
You see, what's to please the Father? How many of you want to be pleasing to your Father? It pleases the Father that when you're not even having any signs of sickness or disease trying to attach itself to your body, and you're in there studying that word about healing. And you're taking it as medicine. You're saying, Father, I believe in Proverbs 4, where you said that if I study, attend, incline, and keep your word in my heart, that it would be life to me and health unto all my flesh. I believe your word. And so I'm just going to read it today. I'm going to find out all those scriptures. I'm going to study the subject of divine healing. I'm going to stay in the flow of things in, the, in this area. And I'm going to keep my faith strong. That pleases the Father. That is pleasing to the Father. That's pleasing to his heart. Now, I want to please my Father. Don't you want to please your Father? Jesus did it when he was here on the earth, and we should want to do it too. That should be our purpose, is to please the Father God. And that pleases him. Because without faith, you can't do it. Now, if... Um, we begin to understand that the Word has taken the place of Jesus, then I think we can have some incentive when we begin to study the Word concerning healing. Now, you recall that when Jesus was here on the earth, there were a lot of people that were inspired and a lot of people that had the incentive to go to Him for their healing. But, of course, Jesus was the Word made flesh. He was not a book. He was a, the Word made flesh in a human body. And so this caused the people to go to Jesus to get their healing. But if you tell people that Jesus and His Word are one, Jesus and the Word are one, and you can be healed by reading that Bible, then all of a sudden they get very depressed, tired, sleepy, lazy, can't keep my eyes open. I try to read it, but don't understand it. I just don't know what I'm going to do. But give me some healing evangelist and let me get it that way. But you see, beloved, that's not going to work for you forever. That's not going to work forever that way. There's going to come a time that you're going to have to believe that Jesus is the Word made flesh. And now Jesus has gone back to the Father and He has left us His Word and healing is in His Word. He sent His Word and healed them. And it's time we start to realize that and get our noses into the Word to stay in there to find out how we can, you know, receive and obtain healing through the Word. Well, this latter part of this verse, Hebrews 11, uh, it gives us a little bit of understanding, I think, concerning how the Father is going to deal with us when we please Him by seeking healing through His Word. Now, the latter part says that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Jesus always did those things that please the Father. And we found out here in the first part that faith pleases the Father. So consequently, if we get into the Word of God to produce faith concerning healing, which is our purpose for studying the Word, to produce faith, will be pleasing in the sight of the Father. But look at the reward. He's talking about a reward. He says, he is a reward has a reward for those that diligently seek Him. What is the reward the person gets that diligently seeks the Father God through the Word in the area of healing? The reward is He becomes their healer. Seek and ye shall find. Now notice something here. If we are seeking to find, here He says, if you diligently seek, you shall find, but who shall you find? Not just healing, but you shall find the Father God. Don't you remember that Jesus said, This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent? 
When you're seeking healing, you are really seeking a part of the being of God. You are seeking the Father. And as I begin to seek the Father through the Word, I find out that He is the healer and the power has come through Jesus Christ. And now that same power is in His Word because the Gospel is the power of God. Power of God. And as I begin to seek God the Father through the Word, I find out that He is the healer. He is not the oppressor. He is not the one that makes us sick. But He is the healer. And my reward for finding and seeking Him diligently is the Father becomes my personal healer and helps me to get other people delivered also. So that's why it's important we put our purpose in its proper place. The purpose that you're going to study this is not just because somebody in your family got attacked. Now I'm going to go to the Word and turn to the Word. No. Beloved, this is an everyday, everyday diligent seeking of the Father. That's why we've got to discipline ourselves to be diligent to obey what James said, be doers of the word, what Joshua recorded, day and night, study the word, meditate the word, so that you and I can find God's healing power through his word by finding God himself. There's a lot of people that don't know the Father God in when it comes to the area of healing. And so when it comes to their bodies and they don't know how to get healing, they can't get any help. They can't be delivered. They can't be set free. And it's sad to say, but after some Christians spend about, oh, five years in the church, six years in the church, instead of growing in faith, their faith begins to wane. It becomes less and less and less and less. I've read that scripture before, and I've had seen people have lanes, hands laid on them before, and they didn't get anything, and, you know, and so on and so forth, and very limited reading of their Bible. And so consequently, instead of having more faith in God for healing, they have less faith in God for healing. But I don't know about you, but I have purpose in my heart to be an individual, and if I'm the only one to do it, I'm going to do it, that I am not going to stop diligently seeking the Father God in this area. Jesus shed his precious blood so that we might be healed in our bodies. Someone said it's not as important to get a person's body healed. Well, bless God, I dare say it is. Matter of fact, that's your reason. Number two, your reason. People have a wrong motive behind their reasoning. You know, they want to get things, but they have their own reason as to why they want to get it. I want to get it because, you know, and this is, this is, this is very serious, I believe. It, people will have a wrong motive for even wanting to see other people heal. Unconsciously, they want to bring glory to themselves. I laid hands on so-and-so, boy, they got healed. Well, well, you didn't heal them. You know how deceiving that is? You know, there's a lot of people that fell by the wayside because they thought they were the ones that were doing the healing. Man, just let me get my hands laid on them. I remember one instructor when I was at school said, the first 200 people he ever laid his hands on, the power of God went into them and knocked them on the ground and they were all instantly delivered and healed. He says, one day I got an urgent call from someone from the church and uh, someone was trying to pray for him because there was in a dire need. He said, all I could think of, boy, he says, let me get my hands and let me lay my hands on him. I'll tell you, when I lay my hands on him, he's going to be healed. He went out there and laid hands on him and nothing happened. And he couldn't understand it. He says, I went back to my prayer closet and began to pray. He says, the Lord revealed to me and showed to me. He said, 
I was getting caught up in pride. See, he wanted to get his hands, his hands on them. Well, bless God, you get your hands on somebody, they're not going to get anything. But I tell you what, you let Jesus flow through that hand. You let the power of God through that hand, and you let God touch that person, and they'll get their deliverance. No, your reason for wanting to get somebody healed or your reason for studying healing in an in-depth way is, and to get it for yourself is this fact. It's found in 1 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, and verse 20. You're bought with a price. You have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now, I want you to note that he did not just say that your spirit is God's. But you've been bought with a price, both spirit, soul, and body. And that body is not yours. That body is God's. Our reason for wanting to be healed, our reason for wanting to study the subject of divine healing diligently in such a way that we can walk before Him healed and whole is not just to show somebody else that God heals, not just to get somebody else saved by that healing, not just to show somebody else that God works through your life. None of these things are the main reason why we should be involved in the healing ministry, the healing of our bodies, and in the study of healing so that we can produce a high type of faith in the area of divine healing. The reason for studying the subject of divine healing in a diligent way is that Jesus died upon Calvary's cross and part of that blood that was shed was shed also for the healing of our bodies. And the price that was paid is an awesome price that God paid through Jesus Christ to provide healing for you and for me. That's my reason for studying divine healing. Now, that's a pretty good reason. Wouldn't you say? Wouldn't you say that's a good reason? But then again, as I said, some people say, well, now, you know, I've been studying this and I just don't seem to have much success. Well, now, you know, and it seems like, I remember Dr. Lily Beelman, she said uh, in one of her books, she said, I don't understand it. I can get up before a, a group of people. I can get up there and preach hellfire and brimstone and you've got people's ears wide open. You can get some preacher up there preaching condemnation and telling people how bad they are and how they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing and, you know, you better get your act together and straighten up and they're just looking at you, boy, with their eyes wide open. Yeah, brother, preach it. I know I'm just no good, you know. And they're just going all on fire and agreeing with the preacher. Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. They can, they can identify with sin. But you stand up there, she said, and you open up the Bible and you begin to pour out the Word of God on a subject such as divine healing of the body and everybody just sits back and goes to sleep. You know what? That old body of yours, it rebels against the things of God. That old body of yours doesn't want to hear about healing. It wants to be lazy. It wants to do what it wants to do. It wants to eat what it wants to eat. It wants to, you know, go around the world and do what it wants to do. But bless God, my body's going to hear it. Jesus is the healer. God, through His Word, has provided a way whereby this body can be strong and vigorous and live for Him. And walk in the earth and do the things He wants me to do, not what this old body wants to do. Amen? And so, bless God, when we talk about the subject of divine healing, we get excited, don't we? Don't we? Bless God, it's God manifesting Himself in our flesh. 
I don't want a little sickness manifesting itself in my flesh. I want God in there, don't you? That's the reason. You can see why it's an important reason then, can't you? See, that's why we should be studying it daily, every day. Now, very quickly, so we can get started here, our goal. Our goal. What is your goal? Well, in a nutshell, our goal is to fulfill the will of God concerning our bodies so that we can be a vessel of honor in the earth to glorify Him with healthy bodies, which was the reason Jesus died on Calvary and provided healing in the atonement. Now, my goal then, and your goal should be, is to walk free from sickness and disease to glorify the Father. Isn't that right? Now, do you see the purpose, the reason, and the goal? And unless they're in that order, unless those are yours, and you hold them and establish them dear to your heart, then you're going to have wrong motives, wrong reasons, wrong purposes. I don't just want to have this just so that my, you know, daughters, my daughter and my boys can be healed, and myself and my wife can be healed, or somebody here can be healed. That's not the only reason. As I said, our purpose for studying this subject is not only to produce this, you know, atmosphere, but it's because the Father God is pleased when we study the Word concerning any subject. And I want to please Him concerning healing that He provided for us. And anything that's as important as divine healing, and again I say, some churches may not think that, but listen to me. If you don't think that, beloved, you're talking about the blood that was shed for your salvation. The blood that was shed for your salvation is the same blood that was shed for your healing. In Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, we read the, the prophet there, Isaiah, saying, Surely he hath borne our sicknesses and carried our diseases or our pains. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with those stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. But it, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, and he put on him and laid on him the iniquity of us all. You cannot separate the atonement, in that atonement, in that atoning blood of the Lord Jesus, in that redeeming blood, separate the healing from the body and the deliverance from our sins. They are one and the same. The same blood, the same person, the same cross, the same everything, delivered us from sin and sickness. You say, why then are we talking so much about sickness? I'll tell you why. Because we live more in this flesh. Keep us away from God, to stop us from doing the work of God, to stop us from preaching the full gospel, to stop us from magnifying the Father God in the earth. And I don't want them doing that in my life, do you? I tell you what, when you've got a vigorous body and a healthy body and you're on fire for God and you've got strength like the Apostle Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who is my strength and I, you know, bless God, it doesn't matter what, what circumstance or what situation I am in. I know where, how, how to be content and independent of all these things because God is my strength and I'll do everything through Him. Amen. When you get to be like that, it's because you've got a healthy body. Hallelujah. But I never saw anybody that was down on their back saying, Glory be to God. Let's go win souls. You understand what I'm saying? And I'm, that is not an accusation against anybody who, you know, wants to be healed. I'm just trying to show and to teach so that we can have some solid teaching and build a solid foundation on the subject of divine healing so that those that want to be healed can and will be healed. We're not going to give them all this doubt and unbelief. Bless God, we're going to get them healed and delivered by preaching the Word of God 
And that's where it comes from. So what's our goal? Our goal is to walk in the light of it in such a way, at such an extent, that, bless God, His will is fulfilled in our bodies also as it is fulfilled in our spirits. Amen? I think these are the two most important subjects of the Bible. God wants you to live free from sin. God loves you to, wants you to live free from sickness. And I'll tell you what. I'll give you a little bit of a nugget. You live free from sin and you will live free from sickness. Amen? Amen. Well, that's why we're teaching on this here subject right here, because we're going to keep on going in many different directions. I think we need to begin by st stating or saying, uh, in the book of Romans, the 10th chapter, you could turn to it and follow me if you want. If you don't, just listen. I don't mind. You know, you could write it down if you want. In the book of Romans, the 10th chapter, in verse 17, we're told that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Well, if that's true, then when we begin to study a subject and lay a foundation, it's very important that we stay away from tradition, religious ideas, and doctrines, philosophy, and experiences. It's very important we realize that Jesus was the healer then, Jesus is the healer now, Jesus always will be the healer, and also the fact that Jesus, not being in physical form, is in His Word. And if you're going to build a solid foundation of faith for healing, then you're going to have to go to the Word and establish what the Word says apart from anybody's experience, apart from anybody's doctrine, apart from anybody's philosophy or philosophical ideas, and apart from any theological ideas, for sure. It's a sad thing to note, but there's a very small percentage of, if you want to call them ministers, we'll call them ministers, that come out of schools of theology that make it in the ministry. A small percentage of people that have gone to theological schools actually make it in the ministry. They have a lot of problems in the ministry because they are trying to deal with spiritual problems in mental, intellectual ways, and it does not work. The devil will whip you in the realm of the mind every time if you think that the problems that we are standing against and facing in this life are mental or physical. Beloved, they are spiritual. They are spiritual. And you're only going to get somebody... Well, why is it that most of them come out and they don't believe in the Holy Ghost? They don't believe in speaking in other tongues? They don't believe in laying hands upon a sick to be healed? But some old dummy come out of the backwoods somewhere who didn't have any education, didn't understand anything about the Bible, but God raised him up, got a hold of him, anointed him with the Holy Ghost, got filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues and power, and went about spitting on people, getting them all delivered and healed in his meetings. He was so dumb to the intellectual world and so smart to God's world that he read in the Bible somewhere where Jesus spit upon somebody and uh, touched his tongue and his, his tongue was loose and he began to speak. So every time he had an altar call, he had the people come up to the altar and spit on every one and every one of them got healed. Someone might say, boy, that guy is pretty crude. But I'll tell you what, that guy got results. Now, you couldn't get any intellectual to do something like that, could you? Amen? You see what I'm saying? We're not, we are not in any way belittle, 
belittling intelligence at all. What we are saying is that the things that we are dealing with are not intellectual. Intellect is fine if it doesn't get away in the way of your spirit. If it gets in the way of your spirit, you won't be any, any good spiritually. Okay, so what we're going to do is begin to rightly divide the word. We're going to look at two things. Number one, the cause. And number two, the will of God concerning our healing. Number one, the cause of sickness and disease. And number two, um, the will of God concerning our healing. The cause. I think this is very important to understand. If we're going to deal with any problem, any situation, any circumstance that comes our way, you can, either, you can deal with it in two ways, basically. You can deal with the cause or you can deal with the symptoms. Now, I find out that a lot of people spend a lot of time, and it's because the devil wants you to spend a lot of time, dealing with the symptoms and not getting to the root cause. It's like somebody's water uh, source or supply got contaminated, and so uh, the people at the plant all started to get poisoning inside their system, had stomach cramps and so on and so forth. And so they called in the doctors, and the doctors were dealing with the symptoms. And it kept going on. Day after day, somebody would come down with these symptoms. And so they take them to the hospital, and they start dealing with the symptoms, and dealing with the symptoms, and dealing with the symptoms, and dealing with the symptoms. Day after day, somebody in that plant. Finally, somebody that has a little bit of smart says, Hey, there's a problem here. What is the cause? And in the body of Christ, people are doing it all the time. Dealing with the symptoms. Dealing with the symptoms. I got this problem, that problem, this problem, that problem, this problem, that problem, and that problem. Those are all symptoms that are stemming from a cause, a root cause. What is the root cause? Well, somebody got smart and went and found out that the water was contaminated. And bless God, when they got the water all cleaned up, there were no more symptoms. That's God's way. God's way is to deal with the cause. Not with the symptoms. And that's why many, you know, times we try to run to the world's way to get help because we don't take the time to find out the cause of our problem and all we do is try to pacify ourselves by taking care of the symptoms. Do you know what I'm talking about? Think about that. Let me give you a good example. I know one individual that had many, 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 many symptoms of failure. There's a lot of symptoms we could talk about, but failure is a, uh, it's a bad symptom. Nobody in the body of Christ wants to be a failure. Do you want to be a failure? I don't want to be a failure. Well, this individual was in the ministry and uh, couldn't understand it. Why all the problems? Why all the failures? What's going on? Why are the calamity coming my way? Why are the troubles coming my way? Why is this coming my way? Why is that coming my way? And I remember every time I talked with that individual, I'd say, Brother, are you in the will of God? And the answer that, came, would, that would come back to me would be a fleece most of the time. Well, you know, I mean, I said to the Lord, Lord, if you want me to be here, let this happen. Well, that's not the way you find out whether you're in the will of God. How about talking to the Father and letting Him communicate with you? And letting Him communicate in your spirit, not by putting out fleeces. Well, as time went on, He had more problems and more problems and more problems and was never satisfied in the ministry. God doesn't call us into the ministry to be failures. He calls, calls us to be successful people. Well, we finally found out after a long time of talking. And do you know that it takes... The reason why it takes a long time to deal with some people is because you've got to get by their pride. And you've got to get to, humil to their, them to be humble, to humble themselves. 
You know that you can never make somebody humble themselves before God. But do you know the only one that can make a person or an individual humble themselves is the person themselves? I am the only one that can humble myself before God. You could talk to me till you're, you know. I don't want to say it. You could just talk to me until you're done, you know, talking to me so much. And uh, you'll never get me to humble myself if I choose not to do it. And that's why sometimes events happen in people's lives. Tragic events happen in people's lives. And the first thing that sometimes the reaction is they finally fall on their faces before God and humble themselves. When the father was saying, if you would have humbled yourself before me on your face before that tragedy, he said that tragedy would have never occurred. See, all these symptoms are out there. Well, this individual finally admitted to the fact, no, brother, I'm not in the will of God. Now, you see, we were trying to get faith formulas. Mark 11:23, Mark 11:24. Get all these formulas out. So, uh, let's pray the prayer of agreement. Let's pray the prayer of binding and loosening. Let's pray this prayer. Let's intercede. Let's pray that prayer. Let's pray for this brother. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you something. We can pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. And a lot of times our prayers are to no avail because we're not putting ourselves in the, in the will of God. We're not putting ourselves into a position where we can know what God wants us to do. When this individual finally got himself turned around by humbling himself before God and finding out what God wanted him to do, his eyes were open and now he's having great success. But you know, a lot of people will not humble themselves before God and wait till it's too late. Before the heart becomes so hardened that they never understand what the will of God is concerning them. And they always deal with these symptoms until they go off to be with Jesus. I don't want to live that kind of a life. Do you want to live that kind of life on the earth? Well, when it comes to the subject of divine healing, there are a lot of symptoms in the earth. A lot of symptoms. And if, if one individual was to say, how in the world is the body of Christ going to get out there and get all these people healed? Jesus sat there on the mountain and he looked at all the people and he, after he healed the multitudes and he said, I'm one individual. He said, pray ye that the, that the Father God is going to send forth more laborers into the harvest. Because there's so many out there and it's profitable for you that I go away and I can be in you people so that all of you can go out not just one like me. Don't you tell us what kind of a unique people we are? Jesus had so much confidence in the Father's new birth in raising up Himself from the dead and then Him coming into us and living in us. He was saying, I can multiply myself as sure as the body of Christ filters this earth. I can multiply myself in each person that's in the body of Christ. And I won't be one Jesus on the earth, but I will be a multitude in the earth. Aren't you glad that God's way of doing things in the earth is through you and through me and through all of us? Well, I'm glad. So he had so much confidence in the Father's plan of salvation that he knew he could give his life and come back and meet the needs of all humanity. It's still Jesus that's doing it, not us. Jesus is doing it through us. And really, the Father is doing it through Jesus who is in us. Well, we're also going to use as a scriptural reference. And I want you to turn to this. 2 Corinthians 13.1 we're just getting started on this and we'll do some teaching along this line. And actually, as I said, we're just going to really break bread over the subject. And just more or less hit many different angles. 
answer many different questions, establish many different facts out of the Word, not out of tradition, not out of religious ideas, not out of philosophy, not out of your experience, but out of the Word of God. We're going to lay a foundation and we're going to build their own. Now, here in this scripture, we have a guideline. Again, I am giving you these ideas so that you can study for yourself and understand more about motives, purposes, reasonings, and goals. Doesn't the Bible say where there is no vision, the people perish? Okay, this is our vision. We're setting this up as a guideline to our vision. Here is how you rightly divide the word of truth. 2 Corinthians 13.1 This is the third time I'm coming, coming to you. In the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. We're going to take the word, we're going to rightly divide the word by taking the mouth of two or three witnesses and giving you in the mouth of two or three witnesses what the word says about physical healing, about the healing ministry of Jesus, about the healing that comes through the word. And it will then produce faith in the word for healing. Faith in the gospel or faith in the power of God for healing. But as long as we're going to be double-minded, as long as we're going to be listening to what your tradition says, as long as you're going to listen to what religion says and other methods whereby people use to to be healed, then that double-mindedness will cause us not to receive anything of the Lord, but being single-minded... By establishing His Word and stepping out on that Word and using the Word, we can rightly divide that Word and have within our midst a people that understand once again, as they did in the early church, the power of God to heal the physical body. Now, if you think this is going to happen overnight, you're mistaken. You're highly mistaken. We have begun to rebuild something that was destroyed by the adversary. It's a shame to say it, but bless God, the church allowed a defeated, dethroned, whipped demon like Satan to take away that which the blood of Jesus provided for us when he died upon Calvary's cross. And we should be a violent people. We should be an upset people, a forceful people to come against that wicked one and all his demons. Activity and forces that are in the world and pull down his religious strongholds and demonic forces and powers and principalities and rulers of the darkness and spiritual wickedness and put them where they belong, dethroned and declining to their end, brought to naught and on their way to destruction and annihilation. And once again, reestablishing the body of Christ, the blood. And again, put that blood over the doorpost and the little of every born-again believer's house and over the threshold of this place and that new church building that we're building and allow the healing and glorious power of God to once again be dominant in the church of the living Christ in the earth. That's what kind of people we should be. And I have purpose in my heart that I will be there to do it. I'm yielding myself as a vessel to do it. I have never had so much opposition come against me like I have since I've started this class. But I want to tell you something right now. I have been well aware of Satan's devices. I know that when he's on your back, it's because you're on his. 
And I know that the longer I stay on his back, he can't get on mine. Bless God. And I'm not taking no back seat to no old dummy who's been defeated and dethroned and brought to naught. Let's look at his scripture, as a matter of fact. Let's glorify God and let's tramp on the devil. Ha ha on the devil. It's Colossians, the second chapter. Well, let, hold, yeah, find Colossians 2 and 1 John 5. We're going to establish some things right now. Hallelujah. 1 John 5, 19. And find Colossians 2. I am just giving you something in advance so that, first of all, you can shout with me and you can know what the Word of God says concerning your adversary, the devil. Now, here in 1 John 5, 19, let's look at that first. Uh, I'm going to read that to you. Well, let's read both from the Amplified and from the King James. King James first says, well, let's look at verse 18 and 19. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in darkness. Now, from the Amplified, it says it like this. We know absolutely, in verse 18, that anyone born of God does not deliberately and knowingly practice committing sin, but the one who was begotten of God carefully watches over and protects him. Christ's divine presence within him preserves him against evil, and the wicked one does not lay a hold or get a grip or even touch him. But we know positively that we are, we are of God and the whole world around us is under the power of the evil one. Now, let's rightly divide something right now. The whole world around us is absolutely, positively under the power of Satan, the evil one. But the church of the living Christ is not under the power of the evil one, we are under the power of the kingdom of the Son of the living God, and we know that we are born of God. Now that rightly divides what kingdom we're in, whose power we're under, and what place Satan has in this earth in your life. None. As a matter of fact, I believe it will be a mighty act of faith. That if the household, in the household of every born-again, blood-washed, sanctified, spirit-filled, tongue-talking, love-walking, faith-walking, living epistle of the living Christ, known and read of all men, would walk out to their front yard and shout it out, Devil, you have no right to cross the threshold of this household. It is covered by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the words of my mouth, I have commissioned the angels of God to dispel all the powers and principalities of your kingdom. Them, and they have no right to intrude in any way. For if you dare take one step across the threshold of my house, I guarantee you that all the power of heaven will stand behind me and put you under my feet where they belong. Bless God. Hallelujah. 
That's where he came from and that's where he belongs is under our feet. And Jesus came to give back that dominion. Let's look at Colossians, the second chapter, and I'll show it to you in the Word of God. Oh, have you taken a stand for the Word of God that you will stand by what it says? Come all the demon forces of hell. Come all the high waters of adversity. Bless God the Word of beneath me. The psalmist said, Though the earth be removed from beneath me, I will not fear. And if I be cast into the midst of the sea, I'm not going to fear, for His everlasting arms are beneath me. That's right. They're beneath me. Here's your adversary. I want you to get a good look at this. I'll tell you something before we look at it. I love this. Oh, I get a thrill. It's just, just a thrill in my heart every time I hear my children doing things like this here. I don't give a whole lot of testimony. You know, I, I don't want you to have faith in testimony. I want you to have faith in, in the Word of God. But uh, one day I told little BJ about, he, he, he coughed one time. He said, Daddy, why am I coughing like this? Why am I doing this coughing? And I said, BJ, I said, do you want to know what to do about that coughing? He said, yeah. I says, every time a cough comes out your mouth, I said, you say this, in the name of Jesus, I am healed. He says, well, what does that do, Daddy? I says, that heals you and get knots on the devil's head. That's what I told him. That's what I told him. I says, that'll get you healed. I said, then get knots on the devil's head. I said, he don't like to hear you say that. And so we were, we were I guess, when we were away on convention. And uh, Renee was watching the kids and Tammy... I believe that's what it was. If, if I'm not mistaken, I know that Renee was at least watching the children. And she said, do you know what BJ said to me? I said, what? She said, I was just doing something around the house. And she said, he, I heard him say something. And I, I, I didn't catch it all. And so I said, BJ, what did you say? Evidently, he had coughed. And so he stopped in his tracks and he said, in the name of Jesus, I am healed. And that puts knots on the devil's head. She said, my eyes got real bad. She said, that's what I thought you said. Amen, BJ. Glory be to God. If we could get them little ones to start saying it, it's high time we begin to have the faith of a child and just believe that that puts knots on the devil's head. Glory be to God. And that gets us delivered in the power of the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, <laughs> praise God for little children. In Colossians, the second chapter, and verse 15, and I'm going to read it to you again from the Amplified Version. It says, And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. And over here in the Amplified, God disarmed the principalities and powers ranged against us and made a bold display and public example of them in triumphing over them in him and in the cross. God made an open display, a bold display, an open show, and put the devil to shame in front of all his cohorts, in front of all his people, in front of all the people that even walked upon the earth. He proved here when he was here on the earth that his power was far greater than the devil's power. He put him to shame in the earth, and he put him to shame underneath the earth. He disarmed him. Satan and all his powers have been disarmed. He is dethroned. He is de-armed, if I could say it that way. All right. He's disarmed. Dethroned. And Jesus has been exalted 
and lifted on the throne. And my point tonight is this. That power was present in Jesus when he was here on the earth to heal every sickness and every disease. Do you think that the power that was in our Lord before he died and was raised up from the dead is any less now in his name as it was in the person that bore the name when he was here on the earth? Is it any less powerful? No. As a matter of fact, when Jesus was raised up from the dead and exalted, He was on the throne. He was exalted and seated at the right hand of the majesty on high, and He was given a name above every name. All the powers and principalities of darkness were dethroned. The wicked one, Satan himself, was dethroned. He was disarmed. He has no weapons. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, not fleshly, not dealing with outer symptoms. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through the power of God. They involve the name of Jesus the power of His Word, and the Spirit of the living God, those are our weapons of battle. And all the weapons we have of battle have more power than all the disarmed forces of darkness that are in the world or in the earth or under the earth. And they have no power over us in Jesus' mighty name. Our weapons are more powerful than their no weapons. And sickness and disease, I will show you through the Word, comes from directly or indirectly, satanic influence because of the fall and because of the curse. But bless God, Jesus redeemed us even from the curse. Well, I don't know where the time went. seems like we've only been here for about five minutes, doesn't it? But it's, it's gone. Can you believe it? So I have to stop again. I didn't say I was finished. I just said we're going to stop. I, we didn't even get started, actually. But I'll tell you what. The Spirit of God hasn't finished. He's here right now to meet our every need. The name of Jesus is right here right now to meet every need. Bless God. Oh, aren't you glad that He demonstrates Himself? Aren't you glad? Praise His holy name. Matter of fact, let's all stand before the Lord. I just love this Word. I just love to talk about the Word. Don't you just love the Word? Don't you love what the Father did for us through Jesus? Thank you, Father. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.